Welcome to the LPO Radio Hour, where we hear Louisiana Philharmonic Orchestra performances, both from recent live recordings and also some gems from the archives. I'm your host, Daniel Lalchuk, Assistant Principal Cellist with the LPO and host of the podcast, Talking Beats with Daniel Lalchuk. The LPO Radio Hour is a production of WWNO, New Orleans Public Radio, and the Louisiana Philharmonic Orchestra. In addition to all the repertoire we'll be presenting, both orchestral and the smaller chamber ensembles, you'll also hear excerpts from interviews with soloists, conductors, and of course, musicians from the orchestra. I hope this added commentary will help illuminate the range of music featured in each of these broadcasts. The LPO Radio Hour is presented with support from the Orpheum Theater, ERG Enterprises, and Paulette and Frank Stewart. Incentive support provided by Louisiana Entertainment, a division of Louisiana Economic Development. Visit lpomusic.com to subscribe and find out where you can catch the LPO Live this season. I'm so glad you're here, and I can't wait to listen to all of this great music right alongside you. Welcome. On today's program, we're devoting the entire duration to one great orchestral masterpiece, Scheherazade by the Russian composer Nikolai Rimsky-Korsakov. While it is a long piece, it isn't a symphony. It's a symphonic suite filled with all the great colors, sound effects, and the dramatic tonal range that we associate with Rimsky-Korsakov. Why is it not a symphony per se, but a symphonic suite? Well, a symphony doesn't have a fixed program to it. It has the aspect of being what's called pure music, music only for music's sake. Remember, from Haydn all the way through Brahms, we have a great musical tradition. Symphonies of Mozart, Schubert, Beethoven, Mendelssohn, Schumann, and Tchaikovsky. But in the middle of the 19th century, there were certain composers who started to be interested in telling specific stories with their music. The musicologist Mark Bonds wrote about this period, quote, The real question was not so much whether symphonies could still be written, but whether the genre could continue to flourish and grow. Out of this comes large-scale works for full orchestra by Franz Liszt, César Franck, Mendelssohn's incidental music to Shakespeare's A Midsummer Night's Dream, the great tone poems of Richard Strauss, and yes, the piece we're going to shortly hear, Scheherazade, via St. Petersburg and the great Russian, Nikolai Rimsky-Korsakov. The music writer Marina Frolova Walker wrote the following about Rimsky-Korsakov, who was born in 1844 to a Russian noble family. At the time she is describing here, he was a professor at the St. Petersburg Conservatory, and I think her writing offers an interesting portrait. One day in 1905, Nikolai Rimsky-Korsakov woke up to find his name in all the newspapers. Not, however, on account of a successful premiere. Instead, he had become a poster boy for Russia's current wave of civil unrest. St. Petersburg Conservatory had just sacked some student protesters, and Rimsky-Korsakov, in an act of solidarity, had demanded the resignation of the conservatory authorities, his own employer. Unsurprisingly, he was fired, but he soon found that his stand was attracting interest and sympathy even from the most unlikely quarters, including a group of peasants who had never heard a note of his music but were moved to start a collection for him in order to alleviate the hardship they thought he would face. Rimsky-Korsakov was acutely embarrassed. While he enjoyed the fame he had earned as a composer, 
he shrank from becoming known as a political figure. As Marina Frolova-Walker continues, even in his music he maintained a certain reticence, where Pyotr Tchaikovsky had won adulation by wringing every possible emotion from his listeners' ears, Rimsky-Korsakov often doubted the worth of his successes, thinking that he had perhaps entertained the public too easily. Instead, he tried to cultivate an ideal listener who would appreciate his subtleties and his stylistic twists and turns. He would have been astonished and probably quite displeased at the fame of his novelty piece The Flight of the Bumblebee, originally an operatic interlude that was posthumously given a couple of dazzling piano arrangements, but has also been performed on every instrument, even the double bass and the tuba. He would have been horrified, his widow certainly was, by the lurid plot that Sergei Diaghilev attached to a balletic version of Scheherazade in order to titillate the Parisian public and he would have scratched his head at the fate of one operatic aria that was given to jazz groove in the late 1930s and became a hit for Tommy Dorsey as Song of India. End quote. Scheherazade tells a tale, not a hyper-specific tale, but its themes, its inspirations are taken from 1001 Nights, the collection of Middle Eastern folk tales compiled in Arabic during the Islamic Golden Age. Michael Steinberg, writing about Scheherazade, said, quote, From the beginning, Rimsky-Korsakov could not quite make up his mind about the balance between the programmatic and the purely musical elements. How much Arabian Nights, how much just music. And while programmatic elements were undoubtedly present in Scheherazade and played an important part in the shaping of the work, Rimsky-Korsakov did not want his listeners to be distracted by being glued to extra musical detail. Rimsky-Korsakov headed the score with this preface. The sultan, convinced of the duplicity and infidelity of all women, vowed to slay each of his wives after the first night. The sultana Scheherazade, however, saved her life by the expedient recounting to the sultan a succession of tales over a period of 1,001 nights. Overcome by curiosity, the monarch postponed the execution of his wife from day to day, and ended by renouncing his sanguinary resolution altogether. The composer's own thoughts about Scheherazade, as expressed in his memoirs, are worth attending to. The program I had been guided by consisted of separate, unconnected episodes and pictures from the Arabian Nights, scattered through all four movements of my suite. The unifying thread consisted of the brief introductions to the first, second, and fourth movements, and the intermezzo in Movement 3, written for violin solo and delineating Scheherazade herself as she tells her wondrous tales to the stern sultan. The final conclusion of the fourth movement serves the same artistic purpose. In this manner, developing the musical material quite freely, I had in view the creation of an orchestral suite in four movements closely knit by the community of its themes and motifs, yet presenting, as it were, a kaleidoscope of fairy tale images and designs of oriental character. In composing Scheherazade, I meant the hints, conveyed by the titles, to direct the listener's fancy, but slightly on the path which my own fancy had traveled. All I had desired was that the listener, if he liked my piece as symphonic music, should carry away the impression that it is beyond doubt an oriental narrative of some numerous and varied fairy tale wonders and not merely four pieces played one after another and composed on the basis of themes common to all four movements. 
That was Rimsky-Korsakov writing about his own piece, Scheherazade, in his memoirs. Scheherazade was premiered in St. Petersburg in October of 1888. Particularly notable in this piece is the use of orchestral instruments as soloists, most notably the concertmaster here, Joe Meyer, on the violin, but also major solos through the wind section, the clarinet, played by Daniel Parrett, also the harp, played by Rachel van Voorhees Kirschmann. The four movements of this piece are as follows. The first one, the sea and Sinbad's ship. The second one, the Kalandar prince. Movement three, the young prince and the young princess. And the fourth movement, festival at Baghdad. Those titles from the composer himself. While there's a lot of loud, brassy, flashy, brash playing to like in this piece that can sweep you right along, just like the sea does, I hope you'll enjoy the intimate tender moments like the beginning of the third movement melodies that will carry you far away into a dream world. Let's hear it now, the great Scheherazade of Nikolai Rimsky-Korsakov. The music director of the LPO, Carlos Miguel Prieto, conducted this performance January 2019 at the Orpheum.
The first two movements of Nikolai Rimsky-Korsakov's Scheherazade. In just a moment, we'll hear the rest of the piece. You're listening to the LPO Radio Hour on Classical 104.9 FM and WWNO HD2. Welcome back to the LPO Radio Hour. I'm your host, Daniel Lelchuk. And we're going right now directly back to the third movement. We'll hear movements three and four of Scheherazade by Rimsky-Korsakov. Remember, it's the LPO Radio Hour, and in this performance, the LPO is conducted by the music director, Carlos Miguel Prieto.
the symphonic poem Scheherazade by the Russian composer Nikolai Rimsky-Korsakov. Music director Carlos Miguel Prieto conducted that performance featuring Joe Meyer on violin, the Louisiana Philharmonic Orchestra, January 2019 at the Orpheum Theater. You can listen to today's program online anytime at wwno.org. The LPO Radio Hour is presented with support from the Orpheum Theater, ERG Enterprises, and Paulette and Frank Stewart. Incentive support provided by Louisiana Entertainment, a division of Louisiana Economic Development. Visit lpomusic.com to subscribe and find out where you can catch the LPO Live this season. If you'd like to learn about my own podcast, visit talkingbeats.com and subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast app. The LPO Radio Hour is a joint production of WWNO, New Orleans Public Radio, and the Louisiana Philharmonic Orchestra. We'll see you next time, and in the meanwhile, I hope you'll be enjoying some great music on your own. I'm Daniel Lelchuk. Goodbye, everyone.